You're listening to Redemption City Church. For more information, check us out at redemptioncitychurch.com. Last week, Mark kind of kicked us off just with uh, the series looking at stewardship, and, uh, and so we're going to continue with that this morning. But before, before we get into that, can we, can we just bow our hearts, bow our heads, and just, uh, Lord, we do, we humble ourselves before your word. Lord, just uh, confidence, Lord Jesus, that it's your word that brings about change. It's your word that breathes life. Lord, that as we walk out our lives in obedience to your word, Lord Jesus, Lord, you watch over your word to perform it. That your word does not come back to you fruitless, but actually accomplishes what you sent it out to do. And so we ask, Lord, that even as we, we, uh, we gather around your word this morning, that our hearts would be open and soft and tender before you, Lord. And so we give you thanks in advance in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do, uh, I do want to just kind of kick off just with a little bit of feedback. Um, we just kind of closed out the finances from last year. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, Sue and I kind of on the team oversee the finances of redemption. And uh, so we actually cut a check yesterday for... Ikaya Likababa of just over $5,000, which is amazing. And so that's from this last year, 2019. And that's, and that's a combination both of money that people have given, designated for Ikaya, as well as the money that we set aside for Facebook check-ins. And so um, it is an amazing thing. And I uh, also want to say this. Um, last year, we, 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 we decided we needed to set money aside just in terms of church planning, you know, God has given us a promise around 10 in 10, or I guess now it's kind of 9 in 9, right? Um, and so we, we started a fund just trying to be faithful to what God's saying. And so as of the end of last year, we have about $27,000 set aside in that fund, which, is, which, again, which again is a combination of designated giving. Guys that are giving say, hey, put the, set this aside for church planning. But also us just setting aside every month just a chunk of our income to say, okay, this is designated for that. And, uh, and so, yeah, just it's great to be able to talk about stewardship, to be honest, when you're not under financial pressure, right? So I want to say in terms of redemption, we're not under, redemption's not under financial pressure. And that's, that's great in the sense that's a real testimony to you guys in terms of your faithfulness. Um, and yet, I want to say there's still more that God wants to take us into. And that's much more about vision. It's much more about inheritance than it is about law, right? It's about lifting our hearts, lifting our eyes, and looking to God for the bigger picture of what He wants to do in and through us, right? And so, uh, I want to kind of dig into this stewardship thing. And so, if you have a Bible or a phone or a device or an app or whatever it is, I want you to turn to Deuteronomy 8. It's not often we go to Deuteronomy and those kind of scriptures, but Deuteronomy 8, verse 10. <clears throat> and it's really speaking into the context of Exodus, right? Moses uh, leads the people out of Egypt, and they're on their way into the promised land. 
And in verse 10, it says this. It says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you, right? Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you'll forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your forefathers had never known, to humble and test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hand have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant. That's an amazing little phrase there, that actually part of God's covenant with us is that he gives us the ability to produce wealth, right? And confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. And then in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4, uh, Paul writing, and he says, what makes you different from anyone else? 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, it says, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did not receive it, why do you boast as if you did not? In other words, everything, it's like everything we have really comes from God, that He is the source. And so even if we may pride ourselves, in a sense, in the skill sets and all the things that we have, the bottom line is that even that comes from God. Even that comes from God. And that really is the, in a sense, the heart of stewardship is understanding that actually that everything that we have comes from Him. Everything that we have come from, comes from Him. And so it's, a, it's an amazing thing. It's, it's a, there's a deep humility, really, that comes with it. There's a deep humility that actually we cannot find ourselves in a place or we cannot afford to find ourselves in a place of arrogance where we start to get harsh and judgmental, right? It's so easy if, if, you, if you carry some level of breakthrough from a financial perspective to get harsh with those that are still struggling financially. And at the same time, I want to say to you that there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an urging to faith in this scripture in Deuteronomy 8. It says, actually, if you are struggling with finances, well, understand that part of God's covenant with you is to release life, release life to you actually so that you can start to generate something of wealth, generate something of of a, of a financial inheritance, right? Um, you know, we went through a, a, a sustained time, really, I think, uh, a sustained lean time, I want to put it like that. Maybe very, very lean time, let me put it like that, <laughs> in the early days of our, of our kind of Colorado experience. Um, and, uh, you know, at the time, we were kind of severely constrained in terms of what we could do. In other words, it was kind of illegal for us to do any other kind of work. 
And uh, let, me, let me say this. I mean, at the most basic level, God is provider. And, and through all those lean times, we never went one time where we missed a bill, right? We weren't able to pay a bill. We never, not once. And, and to be honest, even in that time, we managed to buy a house, which is absolutely ridiculous because we, we didn't have any money, like zero. We were a subprime mortgage, in case you were wondering. <laughs> we, we were one of those subprime mortgages. It's like, okay, I don't know how we qualified to buy a house because we didn't have anything. Um, and so there's this, real, there's this real faithfulness of God really demonstrated in His covenant with us, right? And so, uh, you know, even the, the Israelites in the desert, even in a place of absolute rebellion, says their shoes never wore out, right? And every day they had food, manna from heaven. Every night they had, you know, they, they had the warmth from the, the fire, you know what I mean? They had quail. Every, and, and so even in a place of rebellion, it's, it's like God will not deny that most basic thing that he is provider. But that, that really is the base, right? And, and really, I think what, what, what I want to kind of lean in today is more about vision. Actually, God wants to release more to us than that. He doesn't want us to, in a sense, just remain at that place of surviving, right? You know, a survival mindset is not a great mindset to live with. I don't think you make good decisions when you're living with a survival mindset, right? You don't make good long-term decisions when you're living with a survival mindset. And so God doesn't want us to live like that. And I remember, I remember going through a season uh, in that kind of lean time, and I'd, I'd be lying awake at night thinking like just kind of all these business ideas just kind of running through my head. And I was totally confused at the time because I never, ever thought that God had called me to business, ever. And so I'm lying awake for three months. It was about a, a, this extended season, just thinking of all these business ideas. And I'm like, God, I don't understand what's going on. And actually, it took me sitting down with someone, actually with Chris Vinant, not Chris Smith, another Chris, uh, sitting down with, with uh, a good a man I respected. And he said this. He says, maybe God's calling you to business. And I'm like, what? Duh. You know, <laughs> it's like, it was such a switch for me that I never even remotely considered it, even though I was lying awake for night, you know, for months, night on night with these ideas going through my head. I didn't even consider, it wasn't even a, it wasn't any, it wasn't even a blip on my radar screen that maybe God was calling me into that kind of business arena. It took someone just saying to me, hey, Andrew, maybe God's calling you to business for the lights to go on. And uh, right now, I think that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a, running a business that now is my fifth startup that we've kind of been involved in. And it's just amazing to see how, how God has worked over the last little while. And I think, I think the, the, the thrust of what I'm, I'm kind of trying to lean into today is that a, a, a key component of our stewardship is recognizing that He is the source and trusting, actually, that through the leading and guiding and working and moving of the Holy Spirit, that He is talking to you, He is releasing to you things that actually will set you up into the future, right? Not for yourself, but really to glorify and to honor Him, right? So turn, turn with me to Malachi 3. 
Malachi 3 verse, verse 6. I'm just kind of aware of the time. It's just amazing how fast time goes. Uh, Malachi 3 verse 6. It says this, I, the Lord, do not change, so you descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your fathers, you have turned away from my, my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? In verse 8, it says, will a man rob God, yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, it says, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. And it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that they may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then the, all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. I like the, the King James Version in verse 11. It says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord Almighty. And it's really, it's talking about kind of unproductive work, right? You know, dreams that don't come to fruition. Uh, initiatives and efforts that, that actually don't bear fruit. And, uh, and so, as, as I've been kind of looking at this, it's, it's, you really understand that tithe. And uh, Mark did a great job last, last week of just... Uh, understanding that we honor God with our tithe in the sense that it's the first fruit of what we bring. But I want to say this as well. Really, our tithe is our first act of stewardship, right? Stewardship. What, is, what was a steward? A steward, in a sense, was the, like the holder of the keys. In other words, he had access to everything but didn't own anything. And so the heart of a steward, right, you have access to everything, but you don't own anything. In other words, you are acting on someone else's behalf. You are acting on behalf of another master. And when we acknowledge God as source, then we very quickly realize we are always acting on behalf of another master. And that master is Jesus, right? We are acting on his behalf. And so it's intriguing when you look at tithe, I want to I want to I want to touch on a couple of things but firstly you realize that what we contending for is the abundant blessing of God. What it's, what is at stake here is the blessing the undeserved blessing and favor of God. I sat down uh, earlier this or last year 2019 with a, a guy who's a very very wealthy guy. Um, you know I, you know I think his Giving is, is close to seven figures on an annual basis, you know. Just releasing funds into kingdom ministry. I had an opportunity to sit down with him. And he just said, uh, he, he, you know, sometimes you sit down with guys and, and they, they just give you like these very simple life tips, if you want to put it like that. And he just said this. He says, every time before I leave my house, he says, I quickly stand with my wife and we just speak blessing over each other. Every day, before I leave my house, just speak blessing. And we started doing that. 
just every day. Like as I leave the house in the morning, what do, what do we do? Sue and I just get together and we just speak life and we speak blessing over each other. And I think part of, part of the heart of what we're talking about here is we contending for the blessing and the favor of God, right? We want the floodgates open and the blessing of God to be poured out, so much so that we don't have room enough for it, right? That's what's at stake. And what's intriguing here is that there is a corporate element to it. This is about us corporately. It's not just about us, you and me personally. Because the Bible says this, it says you are you, community, right, are under a curse because you withhold. And then you will be called blessed. The whole nation will be called blessed because of faithfulness in this area, right? And so we are contending for it. Redemption City Church, we are contending for the blessing of God. And so it's interesting, why is it stewardship? Well, you know, if I have a gift and I'm going to give it to Patrick, he can't turn around and say, Andrew, you're stealing from me. You didn't give me the gift that I deserved, right? It would kind of be a little out of whack, right? <laughs> In fact, if Patrick turned around and said, Andrew, you're a thief, be like, well... That's a stretch, right? <laughs> and so you understand from, from a tithe, when God turns around and says, you are robbing me, we can't, that's, it's not about giving at that point, right? In fact, the Bible doesn't say, this Malachi section doesn't say, give your tithe. What does it say? It says, bring your tithe. And so you understand that tithing is not giving. Tithing is bringing what doesn't belong to you, to be honest. It's not a gift that you give to God. It's the portion that you return back to him that was his in the first place, right? So you don't, you don't give it. It belongs to God. And what's, what's intriguing about that is if you don't give it, it's kind of like if, if, you know, to use Patrick again, if, uh, if I lent Patrick $5 and he said, here, Andrew, I'm giving your money back, and he gives me $4, I'm going to like be, I don't understand. Do you know what I mean? It's like I lent you $5, you just said you gave me your money back, and you only gave me 4 That doesn't add up. You know what I mean? It's, it, you know, it's, and it's the same thing in this. So you realize that actually there's a, there's a level of accuracy required here. That tithing is an issue of accuracy, of, of like, well, if it's God's money, then it's God's money. You know what I mean? Even if you withhold one cent, it's still his money, you know what I mean? And it's like it puts a question mark about the whole process. And so it's intriguing that when you look in, uh, in Deuteronomy, we seem to be in Deuteronomy a lot. <clears throat> it says this, when you have finished setting aside the tenth of all your produce, right, in the third year of the year of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, so they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. Then say to the Lord your God, so it's actually an instruction about how we should pray in regard to the tithe, right? It says, then say, there's an invitation for us to pray this prayer. It says, say this, I've removed from my house the sacred portion and have given it to the Levite, the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all you have commanded. I have not turned aside from your commands, nor have I forgotten any of them. I have not eaten any of the sacred portion. 
not consumed it, right, for myself while I was in mourning, nor have I removed any of it while I was unclean, nor have I, have I offered it, any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the Lord my God and have done everything you commanded. And then this is the piece that I feel like, you know, I've tried to own over the last little while. It says this, look down from heaven, your dwelling place, and bless your people Israel and the land you have given us as you promised on oath to our fulfillment to our forefathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. God invites us to pray this prayer. God, I've set aside the tithe. Now open the floodgates, right? Now pour out your undeserved favor. Pour out your undeserved blessing. And to make it a much more deliberate process, it's like, okay, God, we bring the tithe, but actually at the same time, we're contending for your blessing. We're contending for your favor. Open the floodgates of heaven and pour out your blessing. The invitation in Deuteronomy is for us to pray that very deliberately and very specifically. God, open the floodgates and pour out your blessing. It's a much more deliberate process, right? You realize that the stewardship process is a much more deliberate process than us kind of uh, randomly deciding, oh, what do I feel like I should release today? You know what I mean? It's a much more deliberate, faithful process. And so you realize that tithing is an act of stewardship. It's an act of taking care of God's money. It is an act of honor. You are creator. You are the one worthy of our worship, right? So we've covered a couple of things so far. You know, tithing is our first act of, first act of stewardship. That it's not our money to give in the first place. That actually it's really about returning his money. And then the, the point that I want to lean into a little bit now is, is like the storehouse. You know, bring to the storehouse. Um, and there, I think there's a lot of controversy around what that actually means. You know I mean, there's a lot of debate. Well, what is the storehouse? And so you hear some people say, well, the storehouse is, is where there's food. So the storehouse is where I get fed. So I'm going to pay my tithe to where I get fed. And uh, to be honest, I think sometimes you get the, some TV preachers that kind of muddy the water a little bit because they say, well, I'm feeding you a little bit because you're listening to my radio broadcast, so therefore you should send me a piece of your tithe, right? Have you ever heard that? Um, well, that just kind of muddies the water across the board. I actually think the answer to that question is right there in that line, right? Because it says, bring your tithe to the storehouse that my house may be you know, adequately supplied, that my house may be full. And so you realize that straight away, the answer to the question is, what is the storehouse? Is, very, is actually quite simple. It's not a matter of where we get fed. It's a matter of God's house. Actually, the storehouse is my house. And what is his house? Well, we are his house, actually. You know, in, in Ephesians, it says this. It says, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. 
And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We are his house. And it's intriguing because really what God's saying is, is I want my house to be a house that overflows, right? With blessing, with provision, with funds, with finances, with the resources to do what I'm calling them to do or us to do. And so you start to realize that actually part of the, the stewardship around tithe is really a, a stewardship about vision. It's a stewardship over the gift and the call or the call that rests on the church at large. And so let me, let me say it another way. The most important is what? Is God building his church, preparing a bride for the second coming of Christ, preparing an eternal companion for the Son. That is the most important initiative that's happening on the planet today. Psalm 2, the Father says, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. And then he says, the Father speaking to Jesus says, I will make the nations your inheritance. You will rule them with an iron scepter. The most important initiative that's happening on the planet today is about the coming kingdom, right? About Jesus' return about Jesus being installed as King of kings and Lord of lords. Not in some remote place somewhere, but here on earth, right? And you realize that actually it's, it's that initiative, right, that God says, I want my house to be adequately or abundantly provided for. I want my initiative to be provided for. And so it's not so much a stewardship of our plans and our purposes, but really it's a stewardship of God's plans that actually when he puts us in the local expression of that, the local expression of that initiative, he's saying actually the, 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 the way that I want to see this released, the way that I want to see this multiplied and magnified, the way that I want to I kind of pour out favor and blessing, the, 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 this initiative that I'm taking, I want to... I want to see the resources that I have. And it's, in a sense, we're saying it's God's funds for God's purposes. The tithe is us setting aside God's money for His plans and His purposes, not ours. And so we bring the tithe to His household. I'm not talking about an institution. I'm not talking about denominational structures, right? It's not funding for denominational structures, you know, it's interesting from a, from a business perspective, when you try and lead a business, you know, non-hierarchically, in other words, when you try and keep your, your hierarchy as a pancake, in other words, you're not running these big org charts, um, you very quickly realize that what you're reliant on is relationship. What you're reliant on is trust and honor and accountability, the very things that you cannot actually demand from people. They can only be given, right? Honor can only be given. Trust can only be given. Accountability can only be given. And so you realize that actually the household that God's talking about, the initiative that he's talking about, is not an institution. It's not a structure. It's a community, right? It's a, it's a community, and, and to be honest, the responsibility from an eldership perspective is administering 
this community, keeping this community free, keeping this local expression of God's initiative free. And so when we're talking about stewardship from a tithing perspective, we're talking about, you know, Terry always makes the point that just because it's changed position, it doesn't change ownership. Just because uh, you, you know, when you put that, your tithe into the basket or click the button or whatever it is that you do, at that point, it's not changing ownership, it's just changing position. From an eldership perspective, our accountability is still the same, stewardship of God's money, not ours. It doesn't suddenly become ours to do with whatever we want. And sometimes I think we hold on to tithe. I'm, I'm aware of some, some friends of mine that set aside a tithe and they, they put it in a bank account over the year. And then they decide where they want to put this, the, you know, they decide where they want to put their money. And if you're involved in business at all, you know that, you know, there are a lot of nonprofits out there competing, in a sense, for your money, you know. Um, and I'm not sure that's what God intends, because I think really what God intends is for us to buy into the, the local church initiative, right? The local expression of His house, that it's not, it's not my money to decide what I want to do with it, but it's us getting behind the plans and purposes that God has for us as a local community. And I think the bottom line for me is that really God intends the local church, His initiative to be well-funded. Why? Because there's a lot that God wants to do. There's churches that God wants to plant. And, you know, I think in other nations it might be a little cheaper to plant churches. I think, yeah, it takes a lot of money. It's churches that God wants to, they're, they're people that God wants to help. Honestly, the, part of it is that actually the local church is a resource for the poor and the broken and the needy and the hurting. That actually that's part of why God says, I want my house to be the storehouse. You know what I mean? And so there's this initiative that God's taking. And we have the privilege from a stewardship perspective to participate with Him in that initiative. I loved, you know, I've, I've loved, you know, and it's been said a number of times, the, the reason why Ty came to Denver in the first place. God said to him this, will you come and be a part of what I'm doing in Denver? The privilege, honestly, of us kind of investing and being diligent in this process in this area of stewardship is that we have exactly the same privilege to participate with God in the initiative that he's taking in this community, in this city, in this nation. That's the privilege that we have in this whole area of stewardship. God's plans, God's purposes, God's resources, God is the source. It all comes from him. We don't stand, we can't stand and boast. We honor him and we pursue him, and in the process, we trust in God to open the floodgates of heaven in us and through us, right? Can we stand together this morning? The Bible goes as far as to say that we are not our own that we are bought with a price. That stewardship goes so far 
as even to be a good steward of ourselves. And so even as we, uh, we have an opportunity just to break bread together this morning, I want to ask you, The Bible says this is love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us, that he paid the ultimate price for us. And so is this just a heart response this morning of just, God, I acknowledge, I acknowledge that I'm not mine, that I'm yours you purchased me with the blood of your one and only son and that you are worthy of my worship you are worthy of my adoration you are worthy of my life just take a moment to to respond Jesus, everything we have is yours. Everything we have comes from you. James, the book of James, it says, do not be deceived. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from our heavenly Father who does not change like shifting shadows. It's really in response to just his overwhelming blessing and favor that we respond with our lives this morning. Just want to extend the opportunity this morning. If there's adjustment that needs to be made, just in your thinking, if there's adjustment that needs to be made heart this morning we always want to make maturity about independence but really I think maturity is more about learning to walk in dependence on him on Jesus alone struggling financially this morning, if you are battling financially, I know it can be difficult, but I just want to pray for you this morning. If you just raise your hands, I just want to trust God this morning just to open the floodgates of heaven. I ask you just to open the floodgates of heaven this morning ask for your provision, Lord God, your superabundant life, Lord, to overflow. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord.